things we're dealing with are threats to humanity unlike anything the world has ever seen before. We can bequeath our children a greener planet and a more prosperous future. That's what climate change is about. It is literally, not figuratively, a clear and present danger. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero Carbon East Hall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbon East Hall, Series 5, Just Stop the Tories. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it's green, it's in. And Dale... Happy New Year, by the way. Oh, yes. Uh, same to you, Ian. It's all of that, isn't it? Oh, I almost forgot. Just been head down, you know, kind of uh, diving it. Well, actually, to be fair, to be honest, even this is my first day back. I've been having extended party season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like the way you phrase that. I've been having extended party, not an extended, extended party season. Well, I meant to say an, but, you know, that's the state I'm in at the moment. Was it full of festive joy? And did you, you know, enjoy the break? I know you don't go a bundle on the Christmas thing itself, Dale, but the actual time off, was that nice? Yeah, I had great fun. Yeah, I went to a few parties and, you know, stuff like that. I had great fun. What time did you go to bed on New Year's Eve? That's always the, or New Year's Day. That's the question. Yeah, it was New Year's Day. Uh, I think it was like, um, it might have been the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a good one. I love it. That's brilliant. And that's exactly how it should be. Can we start with a question, by the way? Oh, please. Yeah. I love them. This came in from Jonathan, who says, where is Dido Harding these days? <laughs> How the f*** should I know? How would you know this? <laughs> I mean, who is she anyway? So when the name came up, I thought, Dido, I remember. Is that a singer? No, that was, there no. was a singer called Dido, wasn't there? Mm, I thought so. Dido Harding, Baroness Harding of Winscombe, uh, is a British businesswoman, life peer, who serves as the chair of the NHS Improvement Team and as interim chief executive of the UK Health Security Agency. And head of NHS Test and Trace. <laughs> well, that's quite a CV, right? Test and Trace was an abject failure. NHS improvement has gone the other way. Yeah. I'm not sure about security issues, but I mean, that's that's quite a that's quite a trail of damage. Well, I'm about to add to it as well. Here, she's she's the former chief executive of Talk Talk. Remember them? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so that, that's her CV. Great. Let's forget her, because I already had. Yeah, I, I don't know why Jonathan thought you might know the uh, the latest career move of young Dido. I have no idea. Give us a laugh, though. It so did give us a laugh. Thanks for that, Jonathan. Um, yeah. Sunak is under fire for inexplicable failure to appoint a new climate committee chief. What's going on here? Well, who wrote the headline, right? It's not inexplicable. He doesn't give a shit about the climate. He's made that clear. That's why he hasn't appointed a new chief. Is it as simple as that? Yeah. Why would he not be... You know, bearing in mind, they all tried to do this thing, you know, like, let's talk to that gallery and then that ga and then that gallery there. But why would he not talk to this gallery? Because this particular gallery, because there's, you know, there's votes there. Or maybe he's decided there are no votes. But people who think in this way and believe what's in front of them are not likely to vote conservative. He's nailed his colors to a different mast, hasn't he? He's yeah. made that clear. You know, he's against green stuff, all of this 
you know, clean air and, you know, kind of all that uh, shit, all that stuff. He doesn't yeah. want that. You know, he, he, he argues that that stuff is too expensive and we have to slow down the transition. And meanwhile, fossil fuels are good for us. There was a story out today, actually, about Rosebank. Sunak came out some months ago and said, well, he announced the development of Rosebank. It was going to cost three billion pounds of our taxpayer money given to a Norwegian firm. And he said it would give us energy security and lower bills. And today the government uh, admitted that it won't give us energy security because all of the oil and gas made will not land in Britain. And we already know it can't lower our energy bills because no amount of fossil fuels made here can, you know. So, but this is, this is Sunak, you know, he's a kind of um, counterfactual prime minister. He, he says the exact opposite to either what he's intending or to what the truth is. Yeah. Yeah. I want, is, has he got bad handlers around him or is he just a dick? <laughs> I think it's probably the latter. <laughs> well, you say that, Dale, but there are some people who profusely disagree with you because they did a survey of all the constituencies <laughs> around the country I love this to one. see who would be top choice for prime minister and rishi sunak came out top for top choice well in four of the constituencies yeah, is that four out of 600 or something like correct that? it's four yeah. out of all of them it's <laughs> <laughs> brilliant and he didn't even come top in his own constituency no not even even his own constituency they preferred <laughs> keir starmer Yes, I love it. <laughs> and that's why we won't have a spring election. Yeah. And he kind of said as much today. Today, he, yeah. Yeah, he alluded to, you know, I'm not going early. Two out of three Brits apparently demand an election by the summer, which I think is understandable that we might want one, but I don't think Rishi's going to give us one. No, I think he's going to hang on as long as possible. And uh, humorously, as I was saying earlier, he's, you know, he, he, he talks shite is what I was basically saying. Today, he said he was going to stay in number 10 and carry on doing uh, good things like uh, continuing to lower the tax burden. When the fact is we have the highest tax burden we've had in our country since the Second World War. Yeah, yeah. And all of it, all of these increases came under the 14 years of consecutive Tory governments we've had, including his. So, I mean, that's just bollocks to say I'm going to carry on, you know, this good fight against the tax burden. That's me old nan used to say, Dale, f***ing tossers. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind tossers so much. It's, it's, it's the dishonest ones, the ones that, you know, I mean, he's gaslighting the We country. like a good tosser. Yeah, he's an honest one. Just be honest. Like Boris Johnson was actually, he was a liar, but in a way he was honest because he didn't, he wasn't a very good liar, was he, if you know what I mean? But yeah, there was a certain curious transparency about him that he didn't care about. He was fine with the fact. If you said you're a bit of a tosser, you go, oh, it's very kind of you. Thank you very much, Dale. Very kind. Very kind. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Whereas Sunak's <laughs> ga gaslighting us. You know, he gaslights us yeah, over yeah. the investment in fossil fuels. The, you know, he claims that he's cutting the tax burden, all this kind of guff, basically. You know, I mean, anyway, it frustrates me. It frustrates a lot of us, I think, Dale. Here's a question uh, from John who says, are biomethane production? and organic farming a good fit when used together? Yeah, absolutely, I would say, because our green gas mill, which is biomethane, you know, kind of production, uses land to grow grass but the land itself is grown under uh, organic conditions i mean it's a natural fit yeah. and the digestate we have left over as a byproduct from the green gas mill goes back on the land so it's a fairly closed loop system in that respect i mean yes is the answer just to go back by the way to the why is rishi not playing to that part of the kind of conservative gallery or just the, any gallery of, about in, the environment. <laughs> any gallery with people in it. Any gallery with people in, in his four popular constituencies. <laughs> it's often said that the more right-wing somebody is, the less they ingratiate themselves in environmental matters and initiatives and the like. Now, that's I'm calling that bullshit. Um, 
for many reasons. But there is some evidence of this uh, in the United States. And you spotted a story about Republicans, which are far more right wing than the average Tory. And this is really surprising because, uh, you know, I argued in my book that there was a like a lefty righty split when it came to the environment. And I think that, you know, that's been apparent over here. And you can see what Sunak is doing kind of, uh, it shows that. But over in America, where, as you say, the, the right wing is really rather more extreme than over here. Republican voting states are leading the way in wind and solar generation. Wow. It has, it has strong support amongst Republican voters, this idea. But, not for the same reasons as lefties. So there's still a lefty-righty split. The Republicans in America are doing it because they like the sound of energy independence and security and some economics as well. And this is all the kind of stuff we've been arguing in Britain Correct. for the last, I don't know, yeah. three years or something. We're saying forget the climate crisis, actually. Energy independence through 100% renewables can give us an enormous amount of jobs, a big boost to the economy, and, and all this kind of good stuff, as well as being independent from global fossil fuel markets Correct. and all of those dictators and people that control that market. And the climate crisis is like icing on the cake. So it's really interesting to see that happening in America, actually. Because they like, the, yes, the, it's the word independence they quite like and <laughs> yeah. that that kind of really appeals to the sort of core lizard brain if you like of 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 what they're all about those guys mm -hmm. but in, in addition to that as we've said for a few years now these guys worked out there's money in them their green exactly hills, and this is a really good business plan and it makes complete sense exactly and I've, I've been saying for a little while that's the really exciting thing that's happened in the last couple of years renewable energy has become an economic decision to make better economically than fossil fuels and once we reach that point then really there should be no stopping us i mean democrats in america also support renewable energy but they give different reasons they want to reduce global warming and clean up the air yeah yeah you know, the Republicans say, no, f*** that, let's get energy independent, you know, and uh, and create jobs and, and money and that kind of stuff. And listen, I don't care what your reason is, as long as you do it. Yeah. What about this company called Orsted, who are going ahead with the world's largest offshore wind farm in the North Sea? I, I mean, they're moving forward. This is a huge development, uh, apparently, that's just off the Yorkshire coast. This has got to be good news, right? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of tinged with um, with something else, right? I mean, this is a great example of where we are as a country. We we offshore everything, we outsource everything, we let foreign countries and companies come here and build our vital infrastructure. In this case, a uh, Danish company, I think it is. The equipment itself is going to be made uh, by Siemens, I think, in Spain, and the the foundations are going to be made. <laughs> by a South Korean company. And it's like, can we do anything for ourselves? You know, why are we why are we allowing foreign companies and countries to own our infrastructure, to make the money in our economy from these things like like energy, like water, like sewage and that kind of stuff, and then ship that money out of our economy. Why do we do that? It's, this is the privatization dogma of the Tories that is so bankrupt, it's, it's beyond belief. And you, you know that there's a company somewhere saying, we could have done that. We could have easily done that. It's literally what we do. Well, that's right. And we're in Yorkshire. <laughs> that's right. And Labour's plan, of course, is a publicly owned Great British Energy Company that would go ahead, it would make this project happen, but we would own it. And the profits from it would stay in our economy. I mean, that's a vital difference. The idea of privatization as the answer to anything has been debunked so long ago, I can't even remember when. But, you know, you try to find a, an example of privatization working, you, you might as well go hunting for... I don't know, something. Rocking that, horse shit. That's it. That was, that's the one. That's the one. You might as well, you won't find it. Yeah.
I'd like to have had a university challenge type buzzer at that point. Me <laughs> rocking <laughs> horse shit. Yeah, thanks. That was a great intervention. Yeah. I was thinking, well, it must be something rude. And you, Collins, <laughs> London Bridge, rocking horse shit. Yeah. <laughs> the bridge. That's what we need. <laughs> uh, just sticking with wind turbines, the world's tallest wooden wind turbine is being created in Sweden. Um, mm-hmm. There's a company there. They're going to knock up this 150 meter, that's 492 feet to the tip of the highest blade. Uh, it's going to provide power for about 420 homes, I think. Uh, that's pretty big. Do they need to be big and fewer? Is that the, the way it should go? Well, it's not that big. The, the ones in Orsted that we talked about just now are 14 megawatt turbines. So a two megawatt turbine is not that big. And 400 homes is not that much, actually, even for a one megawatt windmill. So I don't know what's happening there. But what it is big for is something made out of wood. It's incredible, in fact. Right. 500 feet of wood. That's just exceptional. Yeah, that is exceptional. Here's a question. This one comes in from Laura. Uh, what is the UK doing to solve the water overusage? Uh, we privatise the water industry and we can leave it to private enterprises well, to, to, to do it efficiently and and save money and create jobs and, and you know, we, we can get on with the job of running the country. Simple as that. That's- <laughs> uh, one came in from Cassie. How do we recycle electric car batteries? It's a good question. Comes up from time to time. Yeah, but I don't know how, you know, as in like step by step, but I know that they are recyclable. They are being recycled, but first they get reused. So the Stade de France, for example, in in Paris has uh, second life Nissan Leaf batteries being used as a backup power source. Okay. Um, And they can be used to do grid storage after their use in a car has come to an end. You know, they get to about. 80% 80% of their capacity is not really good enough in a car, but it's plenty good enough for grid storage. Uh, and then after their second life, I don't think they have a third one. I think then they need recycling. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's done. It's a straightforward thing to do. Lithium can be recycled again and again. Talking of power sources, uh, new data on the inefficiency of heat pumps. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, this this new data is really interesting, and we haven't had time to like completely crunch it yet. But heat pumps have within them refrigerants because they are, after all, just like fridges or aircon units. And uh, these these things uh, have refrigerants with varying impacts on the climate crisis. Uh, I don't know if you'll remember, maybe ten or twenty years ago, there was a big move away from like ozone depleting uh, chemicals that were actually yep. refrigerants, and um, some new ones were invented and stuff like that. So we've just seen the first results of a, of a study that showed the global warming potential of three of the most common refrigerants in heat pumps. And what we're now doing is crunching the data that we're going to say, look, if, for example, we had 20 million of these heat pumps running our homes like the Tory government wants us to have, what's that going to do to the climate crisis? Because it's going to pull in the opposite direction of the emissions reduction of not burning gas. So this one is a watch this space. There's a uh, 3.5% leakage rate reckoned uh, amongst heat pumps. The GWP, or global warming potential, of the worst of these refrigerants is over 2,000. I don't even know what that means right now, but I think it's 2,000 times the impact of CO2, but I'm going to find out, and we can talk about it next week. Big five oil companies to reward shareholders with record payouts. Again, I mean, you read this, and I thought, oh, this one's been put in as a joke, this story, because surely by now they would go, we can't keep doing this, shizzle. This is just, (laughs) this is clearly like people are just going to look at us now and go you look we thought you were taking the piss the first time and then the second and then the third but here we are on the 120th time of this kind of story uh, the world's largest listed companies are expected to reward their investors with record payouts of more than a hundred billion 
dollars for 2023. Mm. I know it's crazy. They've gone full Boris Johnson on us. Like they don't care that we can see that they're being dicks. They yeah. just don't care. Right. In the case of Shell, right, they're going to pay shareholders $23 billion. And that is six times more than they plan to spend on renewable energy the previous year. Six times more in, in dividends than they spend on renewable energy. This is how much of a shit they give about the climate crisis. And the biggest scandal is that these crazy profit levels are created by what's um, probably described as a free market in um, in oil and gas, you know, the global market yeah, for yeah. fossil fuels. It isn't free. It's manipulated by OPEC openly. They drive the price to where they want it by controlling supply. Then you have speculators that like to run around driven by fear of shortages and stuff like that, which we never have which is why our energy bills quadrupled in the energy crisis. And these record profits have been sucked direct from the energy bills of tens of millions of Britons, at least, as well as other people around the world. And they actually have caused deaths in, in many cases because people can't afford to heat their homes because of these ridiculous energy bill levels that are creating ridiculous profit levels for these people, which knock straight on into shareholder dividends. The whole thing is a scandal, and we shouldn't allow it. Couple of questions to finish on, Dale. Jonathan says, "Are you sure you don't know where Dido Harding is?" <laughs> Go away, Jonathan. <laughs> he didn't say that. Really. He didn't say that. We, really. we lo- Jonathan, we love you, but please piss off. We don't even. We hardly know who she is. <laughs> Dale thought she was a singer. Maybe it's the same person. Maybe. Final one to finish on. Uh, I like this because it does sort of feed into, I think, a question that many people kind of scratch their head. What is the best way to access finance for green projects? Because I think there's a, there should almost be a dragon's den. You know that TV show where people come on with new bright ideas of uh, starting a new business? Is there not room? Or maybe there's one already out there. I'm, I'm just not watching enough TV. But you think there might be room for one that is only about environmental initiatives? Definitely. We kicked this around for many years, at least 10, I would say. We even shot a pilot episode once of something that we we thought we might call the green dragon's den and the oh, idea, right, okay yeah and the idea would be not to take the, the the same approach that those people you know the dragons are focused on money aren't they they like to yeah, be yeah. they like to be dicks basically to the people that come in there and if they like their idea then they just try to rip them off you know they try to give them small amounts of money for big shares and stuff like that and you just think god you're rich already what's the matter with you you know our <laughs> our, our approach would be to actually to help yeah. people to bring people in that have you know interesting ideas to try and give them advice to try and help them with money try to make things happen maybe it's too nice for tv i quite like those dragon den ones where somebody comes in with a company that's already doing quite well it's turning over a couple of million and then what one of the dragons goes i want 98 percent of your company <laughs> for right. three grand and you think are you serious the guy's yeah. making two million a year and yeah. he doesn't need your three grand <laughs> he wants your expertise yeah man yeah. alive there we are that is it dale for this episode we'll uh we'll speak in a week brilliant looking forward to it already don't forget of course follow dale on social media twitter.com slash dale vince facebook.com slash dale vince and on tiktok, TikTok too, too. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite <laughs> Zero carbon east off.